Welcome to Hakol Radio's Top 3 segment, where we discuss the top three news stories of the day. Hakol Radio, powered by the Muncie Mavasar and broadcasting live from Schlerko Studios in Muncie, New York. Number 1 In a tribute to outgoing police commissioner Kitchen Sewell, Mayor Eric Adams officially announced on Shabbos that First Deputy Commissioner Eddie Caban would temporarily assume leadership of the nation's largest police department, becoming the first top cop of Hispanic descent in the NYPD's history. Mayor Adams stated in an afternoon news release, quote, until we appoint the permanent replacement, Eddie Caban has taken on the responsibility as acting police commissioner. Commissioner Caban is a highly experienced professional with over three decades of service in the NYPD. I am confident that the hardworking men and women of our city's police department have a strong leader in place until a more formal announcement is made in the coming weeks. Sewell surprised everyone by resigning on June 12th, walking into Mayor Eric Adams' office at City Hall. This move came a day after reports in the New York Post suggested that she was dissatisfied because she didn't have full authority in her role. Police sources indicated that Adams, a former NYPD officer, and Deputy Mayor Phil Banks, a former department official, were excessively involved in the department's operations. Mayor Adams, in his statement, praised Sewell, who was the first woman and first black woman to lead the department. He wrote, Commissioner Sewell not only led the NYPD with distinction and honor every day, but she also served as an inspiration to millions of young girls and boys in her role. Today, we are safer than we were on January 1st, 2022, with most major crimes down, and that is thanks in large part to Commissioner Sewell's leadership in this administration's tireless efforts to make New York City safer. All New Yorkers owe her a debt of gratitude, and we wish her the best as she embarks on the next chapter. Sewell had gained popularity among the department's rank and file. In her final official appearance, Sewell attended a promotion ceremony at the NYPD's Police Academy in Queens on Friday, where she received multiple standing ovations. She shed tears as a tribute video played, featuring officers from across the department expressing their gratitude towards her. Sewell, who resides on Long Island, has not disclosed her future plans. The Police Benevolent Association released a statement commending Caban. PBA President Patrick Hendry said, We have always maintained a strong relationship with Commissioner Caban, and we look forward to continuing that relationship as he assumes this new role. We need to begin working with him immediately to address the NYPD's morale and staffing issues. Commissioner Caban recognizes that these problems are affecting public safety, and we cannot afford to delay finding solutions. Number 2 Early Monday morning, July 3rd, Israeli military forces launched a significant operation in the West Bank city of Jenin, primarily targeting the, Res the Restiv refugee camp. Multiple reports indicated that airstrikes were carried out on various targets. According to the Palestinian Authority Health Ministry, three individuals lost their lives and at least 25 others sustained injuries during the strikes. Large contingents of Israeli ground forces were observed entering the city from different directions, while the health ministry stated that seven Palestinians were in critical condition. The Israel Defense Forces, the IDF, confirmed their engagement in a wide-scale effort to counter terrorism in Jenin. Shortly after 1 a.m., they conducted airstrikes on, quote, terror infrastructure within the city. The IDF spokesperson, Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari, later clarified that the operation primarily focused on the Jenin refugee camp, emphasizing that it was not aimed at occupying the camp, or targeting the Palestinian Authority. Instead, it aimed to neutralize terror groups operating in the area. 
The military disclosed that its attack targeted a joint war room used by various armed groups and the so-called Janine Battalion. The latter served as an observation post, a gathering place for armed terrorists, a storage facility for munitions and bombs, as well as a communication center. Hagari described the operation as a brigade-level raid, but did not provide an official name for it. A senior government official stated that the extensive operation aimed to put an end to Janine's role as a safe haven for terrorism, highlighting that it would continue until its objectives were accomplished. Palestinian residents reported receiving text messages advising them to remain indoors, while members of armed groups were urged to surrender and lay down their weapons. The local wing of the Islamic Jihad, Jihad known as the Janine Battalion, claimed responsibility for firing upon Israeli troops in the city and targeting military vehicle, vehicles, including a D9 bulldozer with explosive devices. Number 3 During a meeting with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, Following the recent debt ceiling battle, Representative David Joyce, a representative from Ohio, wanted to make a point. He proudly displayed his OK pin, which he had distributed to members of the Republican Governance Group, an ideological faction he leads comprised of moderate and pragmatic lawmakers. The pin stood for only Kevin, serving as a not-so-subtle reminder of their allegiance to McCarthy amidst challenges to his speakership. McCarthy noticed the pin and greeted Joyce with a laugh. While Joyce's gesture aimed to inject some humor, it carried a deeper message. It served as a reminder to leaders not to overlook the numerous Republicans who stand by McCarthy's leadership, particularly in the face of theatrics from a small group of far-right colleagues. If leadership is willing to negotiate with the far-right faction, they should also cons consider the requests from their loyal flank. In the past month, a small group of staunch conservatives blocked the consideration of any bills on the House floor for over a week as a rebuke to McCarthy over a perceived inadequate debt ceiling bill. This blockade was followed by a series of votes orchestrated by members of the House Freedom Caucus on contentious issues intended to appease the conservative base. Joyce defended McCarthy's decision to collaborate with Democrats on the debt ceiling legislation, stating that the Speaker did nothing wrong. He questioned the need for concessions to anyone, emphasizing that this is how the functioning of the House should be. The House's recent focus on the demands of the far-right faction has frustrated Republicans representing swing districts, or those concerned that an extreme legislative agenda could alienate voters and cost them the House majority in 2024. Consequently, these lawmakers are finding ways to exert their influence behind the scenes to prevent the most damaging proposals from reaching the House floor. In recent weeks, they have successfully prevented some measures related to Roe v. Wade, from being brought to a vote and defeated an amendment that would have derailed the government oversight bill. They have also attempted to persuade their far-right counterparts to avoid inserting controversial provisions into appropriation bills during committee markups. These moderates have warned that such poison pills could lead a significant number of representatives to reject the bills on the House floor, potentially harming their chances of re-election. Furthermore, several law lawmakers representing districts won by President Joe Biden have requested to be included in the, in the negotiating room during high-profile debates, enabling them to explain to their far-right colleagues how their demands may jeopardize the narrow five-vote majority, according to anonymous sources familiar with the matter. Thanks for tuning in to the Top 3 segment live on Hako Radio, and have a great day.